Good afternoon and welcome to uh, this week's episode of What the Art, where we talk about all things art and culture in New England and beyond. I'm Rachel Parsons, Director of New England Regional Art Museum, and I am feeling particularly arty today and can't wait to get into it. First up, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the New England Conservatorium of Music for presenting the Australia Chamber Orchestra last night. It was an absolutely terrific performance. Uh, For the music lovers out there, NECOM has Opera Australia in concert coming up, so make sure you get your tickets. And now to my guest for today. I am speaking with local artist and recipient of the 2020 Helen Denger Memorial Art Bursary, Isabel Devos. Welcome, Isabel. Hello. Hi, Rachel. It's so nice to have you in the studio. How are you doing today? It's great. It was great to be here, and I'm doing pretty well because I love this season. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Autumn's so beautiful. Great season for artists, I think. I think so. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Colour. <laughs> Colour, absolutely. Um, so, Isabel, you are an artist and um, more specifically a painter, or at least I know you best as a painter. How do you describe your artwork? Yeah, that's always a tough one for me, actually. It doesn't come into an easy bite. I don't know why it's something I need to work on. But I love to paint the landscape. So I love to paint the landscape from urban, suburban to rural landscapes. But since moving to Armadale, it's the rural landscape. So the rural landscape that has been peopled or affected by people. So not quite the bush, but that in between where there's paddocks and maybe a building and a tree break, a wind break. Um, it's something about that organization of the landscape plus the wildness combination. Um, usually when there's a lot of sort of shadows or something interesting at play, sort of breaking up the composition. So my work is sort of contemporary landscape, sort of boiled down to its simplicity, not all the details, mm-hmm. not a lot of brush strokes maybe, but just bringing it back to its real basics, but based in realism, you know, realism. Yeah, sure. I think as you mentioned, um, I, I guess, observe that your work often sits at an intersection between the natural landscape and the built environment. And there's sort of a really interesting contrast that happens between the geometric stylization of the buildings versus the somewhat more organic but still stylized um, version of the landscape that you do that creates quite an interesting contrast. Is that purely an aesthetic thing um, or an aesthetic choice for you or is there also something interesting for you in that subject matter? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do wonder where that came from because I started out after art school doing abstract expressionistic paintings of my dream world. Very different. Um, that went on for some time till I moved from a little uh, sort of inner apartment to a little rural property where all I could see was these sort of landscapes and the light and the time of day changing. And next thing I know, without any idea, I was just starting to paint little tiny paintings of these very simple, very naive, very boiled down and a little bit... Um, what's the a fauvist you know in mm, color sort of a bit yeah. really lots of hot colors and um I was loving it and it turns out that other people really started loving them as well and so I just um kept going with that really and I think part of it as well is at the time I didn't realize I needed glasses and so <laughs> for me it's a really weird thing but I thought that's what the world looked like very I didn't see individual detail and I didn't realize, I don't know how I got by so long with that. But anyway, so the landscape was boiled down to its simplicity <laughs> in the way I looked at it. And so I think that also affected it because it reminds me of how 
for those years that I didn't know that that's that's what it looked like to me. So I was trying to paint what I saw, I think, mm. from that time. So I think that's where that's come from. But I do like trying, I do love, oh, sort of, I do love Jeffrey Smart when I came from Canada to Australia and um, saw his work. I thought, oh, I, I think I get his work. It's different than mine, but just the way he's, the, the elements of composition. Mm. I actually uh, wrote in my notes that your your work has an element of Jeffrey Smart yeah. in it. It's not the same by any no. means, um, but there's a um, uh, a stylistic similarity there somewhere. Um, I think with the use of line and, as you say, the um, paired back way that you both represent. You know what you're seeing. So without all of the um, the the extra brushstroke kind of thing, which in a mm. way can be a distraction from what you're actually seeing. So there's something very uh, clean and to the point almost about both of your work. Yeah, when I um, someone pointed out his name because in Canada we didn't learn a lot about Australian art. Um, mm. So I had to kind of learn from scratch when I got here. And that was really interesting, meeting up with lovely local artists who just embraced me and took me in and, and helped me get a handle on, on a lot of things and just exploring. So I was really excited when I saw his work. Very different than mine in terms of its mood or something or subject, but some similarities. But then I found even more exciting that he absolutely adored Alex Colville, who's a Canadian painter who mm. taught at the university I went to and one of those East Coast painters that was very popular. And I thought, ah, oh, that is so interesting. So I found that very interesting. And I've been studying that sort of a little bit more. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you studied art, uh, you went to university to study a uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Canada. Yes, I did. When did you come to Australia? And has that shifted perhaps um, what you were doing, you know, in art school and whilst you're in Canada? Has Australia impacted your work? Yeah, um, very much so. It's... Um, but then again, it, it also, yeah, it was a very scary moment actually to come from um, as a landscape painter based in Canada. And I was just hitting sort of early, just coming out of emerging into early career. And um, and then, you know, my partner and moved to Australia and thought, how am I going to deal with this? Um, so I was a bit nervous and it took me a while just to wander around and drive and walk and really just see that the colors are different. The trees are very mm -hmm. different. But there were also, I would find pockets in the New England especially of things that looked a lot like the east coast of Canada and the Maritimes. Mm. Um, there's a little church in the back roads around Gyra that I just came around and went, oh my gosh, that's the pine trees, everything. And so I did find little bits that were similar and eventually I got, you know, just mixing colors and trying different things and I'm um, falling in love with the light here, which was very bold and very clear. Um, and I think that has shaped my work a little bit. It's gotten more... Um, Oh, sort of stronger in contrast between the colors than my work mm -hmm. in Canada. So, I, um, but yes, yeah, subtle changes. I'm surprised it hasn't changed as much as it has. But I think the same thing still interests me, which is the light and the shadow and the composition and that incursion of humankind into the landscape and how we live together and what stories are kind of lying underneath that. I like. Mm -hmm. I like to get that little sense of mystery kind of almost like a stage or a tableau like what what's happening or what could happen here there is a, a certain mystery to your work um uh, partly because there's never any people or animals or very rare kind of, yeah, yeah it's very rare that they sort of appear so there's an absence in a way and yet obviously the um you know that you know, people exist because there's these houses or there's these roads, but they're they're not in the um, the images themselves, and so there is always that 
question, I suppose, of uh, who inhabits this landscape and what have they been doing and, you know, that that kind of thing, which, um, yes, is quite interesting, I think, for the viewer. Yeah, I think those are the paintings when I, I don't plan really what comes out. It starts from an idea uh, and a photo and a sketch, and then it goes a little bit from there. But mm-hmm. I do like the ones best where there's that element of mystery where you feel like there's a story in behind where you can sense, and I want to give that sense. And I think I'm happiest with those works. Some of them just end up being really you know, more about the landscape or the shapes of the landscape and, and the structure. But I like when there's this added element. There's a bit, oh, friends have said it's a slightly creepy or a bit disconcerting. Mm. The feeling, only some of them have that, but those are yes. my, my favorites. I agree. I like I like that little bit of sense of the uncanny, of not being mm. sure of exactly um, what's going on. It's also it, almost a little bit gothic in a way, not dark, but just as you say, that that mystery or that... Little um, bit. Yeah, a little bit creepy, but not, not, not too much. Also incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not creepy. No, no. but that, that, I, I love someone used the word disconcerting and I like yes, that. Yes, that's it a was good like word. Just a little bit like, what is happening? Yeah. Is there something there? Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Jeffrey Smart as, as mm-hmm. um, uh, an Australian artist that you like and that you have um, perhaps an affinity with. Are there other artists in particular that influence you or that you particularly go to to get inspiration for or try to learn from or that you feel... Um, have uh, influenced your work? Mm. Yeah, um, a lot of Canadian ones um, and sort of uh, North American. So Edward Hopper um, is a big one. Yeah, his most people know Hopper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really like his stuff. Um, and still looking at it now, even today, just how he managed to get that same feeling, the emptiness. He has people in his a lot of his work, but they still have that empty feeling, yes. that sort of feeling that I like. Um, Andrew Wyeth, who paints again American. So I still have that history of the American who's sure. shaped the Americans and the Canadians who've shaped me. Um, I love looking at all artists, though. Like, I love I love just looking at everything from conceptual to video artists to installation to guerrilla performance art to everything influences me mm-hmm. as a person. So I don't know if it comes out of my art, but I do think it shapes what I'm looking at and what I'm interested in. I feel like sometimes the the work that you see is really just the tip of the iceberg of everything that the artist is thinking and looking at and all of those influences. Yeah. And sometimes you can really not you know, grasp everything. But I think generally a good artwork has, you know, hordes and hordes of things going into it that are beneath the surface. Yeah, maybe. It's yeah. it's just um, being, it's so exciting to see what people are doing with, you know, the same materials or the same subject matter and mm-hmm. how they choose to tell a story with that. That's what I love seeing as an artist. And so I find that really feeds me to then go back in the studio. And I, I just hope it filters through. I don't try to shape too much of what I'm doing is not an intellectual process for me. It's very um, sort of visceral when I get in the studio. So, And how have you found the art scene in Armadale? It's an cr- incredibly creative and um, uh, artistically active place. Have you found a good community here? Yes, I have. It was one of the, um, when we were looking where to move in Australia, we had a couple of criteria and we were thinking of somewhere that wasn't too different from Canada, like not the tropics and not mm-hmm. the desert. We thought that would just be a bit shocking because we had children um, who had to adjust as well. And um, so Armadale, because of the wood smoke, actually was appealing. Weird, isn't it? In the autumn there was wood smoke and that felt like Canadian and um, also a university for my partner to work at and for me I saw NARAM I saw the Armada art community and um, a couple of art supply shops and mm-hmm. then when I and the Waldorf school so that's how we moved here those decisions um, came into being and 
a smaller place. We like to be in the rural area near the bush, near the wilderness, near um, fresh, clean air and, yeah. and all that stuff. So that drew us here. Um, and the art community has been wonderfully welcoming. Um, Stuart Boggs at Gallery 126 just um, immediately sort of sat down with me and introduced me to other artists and said, do you want a, do you want a show here? And I was yeah. like, yes, I'd love one. I don't know what's going to come <laughs> out yet, but I'll get to work. And um, just everyone I've met, it's just been a really vibrant, um, not only the visual arts, but, you know, music and writers and um drama oh my gosh I can't I can't keep up with the events yeah. so I do try to get around but I love it I do feel anyone who says that there's bo- that they're bored and there's nothing to do in Armadale just is not trying at all there's no. so much going that's on. right and that's just the arts exactly. and then there's all the sport and, yeah. and all sorts of other things that you can get involved in absolutely yeah. uh, we're going to take a little break we're going to listen to a, a song we're going to listen to Viva La Vida by Coldplay which might seem random but um, I understand that the song was named after the painting Viva La Vida by Frida Kahlo it's of watermelon Google it and check it out whilst you're having a listen.
that was when I ruled the world Welcome back to What the Art, and I am talking to Isabel Devos, who was the 2020 recipient of the Helen Denga Memorial Art Bursary. And so for those of you who are unaware, the bursary has been established by Niram, Bill Denga, and our supporters to help local artists advance in their chosen career path. Each year, the fund supports a local artist from the New England region to attend a professional or creative development activity. The bursary aims to create new opportunities for regional artists to improve their practice Uh, continuing the generosity, passion and support towards the arts that was evident throughout Helen Dengar's life, who was a volunteer and supporter um, at Niram. So, Isabel, what did it mean to you to receive this bursary? Uh, It was absolutely wonderful. I had um, seen the two previous years, I think, um, the bursary recipients go off to do really interesting and exciting things. And um, I was, I don't know why I was hesitating. I just was nervous, I guess. So I, I just bit the bullet at the last minute and made an application. And so when I um, got the word that I'd received it, it was very exciting. And, and the chance to delve into or have a larger chunk of time to really pursue more knowledge and more um, interaction with other artists, not in my comfort, comfort area, but somewhere externally and with um, an artist that I had been admiring for years, um, a landscape painter called... David Keeling um, from Tasmania. And that all just came all together. That was, you know, it was going to happen. So anyways, it was amazing when I got that chance and realized I could actually get there. Fantastic. So as you said, you your creative development activity was to attend a painting workshop mm-hmm. in the Central Highlands of Tasmania presented by David Keeling. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience. What did you do? What did you learn? Yeah. So um, we arrived there at first. We just spent a little bit of time just in um, Hobart uh, just for a day and then got picked up. It was organized by um, Carrie Ainsworth of a art travel adventure so she organizes the artists and then organizes um sort of that she organizes the guest artist um instructor teacher mentor and then gets us there so then we had a little trip into central tasmania um for no first we got to go to david keeling's studio what am i like that's in hobart um and so we got to meet him and just um he showed us around his studio showed us around one of his latest paintings and open up his sketchbooks and all of his we could just go through anything in the studio mm-hmm. and ask questions he was extremely generous very warm um he's an art teacher um he's only recently i think stopped doing that to f- focus full-time on painting and um has a beautiful studio but it was so nice to just be able to ask him anything and he had just re- recently too bad we missed it but it was a major retrospective at um Oh, the gallery in Hobart. I can't remember the name. The big one, the museum and art gallery. Mona. Mona. <laughs> no, not, not that big one. No, he didn't have a retrospective there. No. <laughs> the other big 
big one. The one before <laughs> the Tasmanian Art Gallery. Yes, yes. Well, we'll put it on the blog. Don't worry about Sorry, it. Sorry. Yeah. He had had a major retrospective there. So we got to look through the catalogue, but the show had come down. So that was really, um, really a shame. But we, we did get to see the catalogue. And, you know, I'd love to have seen all of the works that they collected back from all over where um, mm-hmm. they'd been purchased. But, yes, yeah, spending that time and then going to his favourite art supply shop and meeting the owners there. And it's just a beautiful art supply shop. I love a great art supply shop. Yes. I mean, I don't even, I don't make art anymore. I did go to art school, but I don't make art anymore. But I still am such a sucker for oh. a great art supply Aren't shop. Aren't they amazing? Yeah. They're just, they're a bit overwhelming. We were all a bit, I just want one of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it was lovely to see that. And he just sort of pointed out things that he likes to use. And, mm-hmm. um, and then from there, we went to Central Highlands got ready, settled in for the night, and um, then the next day met it, you know, early in the morning and got started with David. Yeah, David would sort of show us, um, he'd get up extra early and do something and then be ready for us outdoors um, Mm -hmm. on this very old farm uh, stay where there was also a golf course, which I didn't realize. So there were golfers coming. (laughs) A little special, uh, the oldest golf course in Australia. Oh, interesting. Very rural, very rural. Just a few people golfing around while we were doing our art. Well, you know, new subject matter, perhaps, for someone. It was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so we had these, we'd have an hour or two just of trying out different things. And um, it was great just having someone with a lot of expertise using a lot of different media, how he approaches something and how he encouraged us to just shake up our worlds and our comfort levels to try new things. Uh, all, all in plein air, so all outdoors, all in plein air, no studio. Yeah. So, if, yeah, for the, anyone who doesn't know, on plein oh, air is, yeah, is, is when you paint directly in the landscape. You're not in your studio at all, which means that you're uh, impacted by everything that's outside. So if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's yeah. windy, if it's rainy, all that kind <laughs> of thing. Um, and so a lot of artists don't particularly enjoy on plein painting, but it is a part of your practice. So it is something that you well, do is. like. It is now. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so you, you didn't do much on plein before? I was not doing a lot of uh-huh. plein air. So I started exploring that during COVID because um, I love bushwalking as well. Mm-hmm. But usually the two don't go hand in hand. So bushwalking is a completely separate event from making art or photographing art um, related, you know, ideas for art landscapes. I might do photography a little bit during a bushwalk, but mostly it's just that. Anyways, during COVID, I realized I kind of need to join the two. So Arts Northwest had a little micro grant to do a little exploration of being outdoors and what that's like completely different and my work is completely different the work I do outdoors is quite different so for now it's just in kind of study form I'm just exploring and really I've given myself permission to have a couple of years from starting from COVID to just play a lot more with my art rather than just be in the studio painting painting towards Mm -hmm. exhibitions Um, I really really embrace that so being outdoors and the elements and the bugs and different <laughs> things and, and what happens when it rains on your gouache painting it's like oh that's interesting <laughs> I might need to bring an umbrella next time but yeah it's that kind of thing so there's, a, there's an immediacy that happens mm. and you're just really dealing with everything and you have limited materials usually not as big a size I haven't gone big yet outdoors but just it's really enjoyable so now it's become part of what I do on a monthly basis but after with being on that workshop with David and all the other artists just being outdoors all day from nine till six Mm. pretty much um yeah it's a really wonderful way to work so I hope it will 
amount in something sort of bigger and something I can um, share with the public in an exhibition about what's happening when I paint outside. Fantastic. And so is there something new that you took away from the workshop or did you see a um, point of departure in the work or a new development in your work that you can kind of locate in that experience? Yeah, there's a couple of things. So one is... um, working with gouache, which is something I hadn't done since I was a mm. student, so it was a long time. So I'd been working mostly in um, graphite, charcoal, um, and acrylic paint. So yep. when I paint, it's in acrylics. And um, so working with gouache is sort of a different material. It's water-based, but it dries very quickly, but you can rework it. So it, it's very immediate. It's best if you just use it quite quickly and immediate, but it's very bold in its colors and very thick at covering. So it's a really fun way. and. Um, I did learn a couple techniques, just starting with a darker background and then putting the gouache on that, various things. Another thing David really emphasized and showed us uh, on the day two and three, I think he wanted us to explore with dry and wet medium. So really going with charcoal, graphite, then using some paint, then sealing that, and then using glazing. And I've never really gotten into glazing before. Mm. It's funny, eh? four years in art school, but (laughs) I sort of touched on it, didn't really get into it. I was much more into the immediate kind of way but seeing that different sort of translucent semi-transparent glazes can really shift the color balances in the work and in different parts of the work and it was really fun so I started playing with that in my little sketches and little studies Mm -hmm. and um, found that really really interesting so that's I'm going to go bigger and see what happens when I go bigger and can I do that in the studio or do I need to be outdoors for that to happen again so it's just about taking time and, and playing with, with your materials, which I don't think I was doing enough of for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, Fantastic. Well, it sounds like the experience was really useful and, and meaningful. So what advice would you give to anyone who's thinking about applying for the bursary this year? Oh, yeah. Just um, just put it together. It's not a very hard application, it's but not. it is. No, it's just about you finding something that will work for you. What is it that you think you need to help um, stimulate your creative practice or um, or give you a space of time, you know, to delve into something you might not have time or ability to do here. So I would just do it because um, it's something I couldn't have afforded to do without that bursary. It would have been really hard to pull together. Um, so that gave me sort of permission to go and, and do that. And um, I think it's been really life-changing, really, and just meeting all the other artists. So mm. Some of them are practicing artists and we're planning to do something together in the future. So we don't know what yet, but... Fantastic. All the possibilities. Isabel, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your experience. And for all the New England artists out there, the Helen Denga Memorial Art Bursary, uh, we will be calling for applications mid this year. So keep an eye on the Niram website for details. Some arty things that are coming up at Niram. There are still a few tickets left for the opening event of Art Express and War, War and Peace this Friday. So jump on the website and claim your free ticket. Coming up on Thursday, the 6th of May, we are screaming a documentary on acclaimed but controversial artist, uh, Keith Luby. And if you haven't heard about Luby, um, He's an Archibald winner, but, uh, you know, some some people don't know him. So it's an interesting um, film to get into. Our next Courtyard session will feature the vampires and be held on May 9th. Tickets are on sale now. And it's called a Courtyard session because that's the music series. But we're actually coming inside. We are aware of how cool it's been getting. In the meantime, get your culture fix at neurom.com.au for information on all of our exhibitions and events. We're on Facebook 
and Instagram where we connect you to art in the digital world. But for a real world experience uh, with art, make sure you come and visit us at the museum. I'm Rachel Parsons and I will see you see you soon at Nirem. And we're going to round out the show um, with another song. We're going to listen to Goodbye Toulouse by The Stranglers. Thank you.